And welcome back, brothers of the 15th Legion. It is another episode of the Tiskin Podcast. Yep, it is an auspicious episode. It's the, well, 2nd of May at this point, but the new FAQ has come out. That is true. Yes, sir. Um, It has been a doozy. But before we get to that, because there's a whole bunch of stuff to cover, I believe we have something a little special that we want to talk about. We do. Uh, So if if you are unfamiliar with where we originated the podcast from, uh, we actually host it on the Thousand Suns subreddit, uh, which is uh, slash r slash Thousand Suns on Reddit. And uh, for about the last 20 days, uh, we've had a survey up, which was very straightforward. It was just simply a run through of all the units in the Thousand Suns Codex. And we were trying to get a rating on those units. Basically, do you, do you always include this, this unit? Do you sometimes include it because it's good? Or do you, you know, it's a good unit, but you don't like to take it because right now the way the game is set up, it's just not good. Uh, or do you just think the unit is, you know, really hurting at the moment? And it really just kind of gives us a way to know kind of what the pulse is on what people are taking. Yeah, which um, there were a couple of surprises here, though. I think um, a lot of them uh, make sense uh, if you look at sort of what people are taking and what seems good and what's not. So for our listeners on the podcast here, we're going to give you a little bit of a, uh, a special um, run through here. Uh, these results I'm actually going to be posting up um, so you can actually go through everything yourself next week uh, or probably about a you know week or so after the podcast comes out. But uh, we are actually on here. We're going to take you through what the actual results are. Uh, so kicking off, uh, we had Araman. And Araman, I, I don't think there's any surprise here. Overwhelmingly, I think he's probably the most auto-included unit of the entire podcast. Or the, sorry, not podcast. <laughs> of the entire codex. Yes, I mean, right. if you look at him, though, it makes sense, though. He's effectively an exalted sorcerer who's better in every way for very reasonable points cost. Um, it makes no sense not to include him if you're trying to hit big. Is there is there a better psyker in the game point for point than Araman at the moment? That that does what he does for just sheer brutal butt kicking and just throwing out so many spells per turn. No, there's, there's really not. Um, Eldrad's a shadow of what he used to be. I mean, obviously Magnus is up there with them, yeah. but Magnus is a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and so while there are plenty of other good psychers, Aramon does fit a very special role in the game is probably the most points efficient psyker there you can get. You mentioned the exalted sorcerer is kind of, that's kind of what he's on. He's kind of more like a, a an exalted, exalted sorcerer in a way. Yeah. Which... And the problem is, I guess the, the problem for the exalted sorcerer who we'll get to here in a second is that Aramon is so much better, but not at a, point cost that makes him unreasonable effectively right. if you're going to take the exalted might as well spend the extra couple points to get Aramon. and it's kind of cool how they how they did the exalted sorcerers because they're kind of like a mashup of a chaos lord and a sorcerer put together mm-hmm. um where yeah okay you pay a little bit of a premium for them but um you know i think we're gonna 
as we get kind of more into the FAQ and kind of where the meta's going at the moment, we might start to see see these guys on the table a little more just yeah. to get those buffs out a little bit. But um, Aramon had an overwhelmingly uh, positive auto-inclusion. Um, it was close to about 85%, uh, and the rest was just kind of, you know, he either was good or people just auto-included him. And I could see some yeah. folks just saying, hey, I, I'll take a couple demon princes or something like that in, in a lot of the yeah. rounds. Um, so then we get down to our next HQ of Exalted Sorcerer. Yep. Who, well, pretty much a good number of people, not quite a 50%, like 46% of vote, people who voted put them as good. And then another nine auto includes. So above 50% of people like him. Right. Um, overall, that's not a, anywhere near as great as well, the reception that Aramon received. And the, it comes back to the fact that they're good but there's just a, a better option. Yeah, he's kind of one of those things, and we'll see this as a kind of a trend on some units in here where you can definitely tell where people have mixed feelings on him, and yeah. it's not a very good consensus yeah. answer on it. But um, <clears throat> then we had the Demon Prince of Zinch, which he's just about – he was probably the second most auto-included unit because uh, he's right yeah. behind Aramon. Uh, again, no surprise to me there because he's – you know, a beast uh, out of all the demon princes. I think most people agree that he is the yep, best the, demon prince in, in the game at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just hands down. I mean, he has the same stat line as the regular demon prince, but he's just better. Yep. Um, now we did on the demon prince, we did have one little side question that we also pulled for the folks that do take demon princes. If you did take them, did you feel <laughs> like taking him with the wings was a requirement or not. And again, overwhelmingly, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody pretty much believes, yeah, you got to take wings on the Demon Prince. Yeah, though the extra mobility is really king. Um, I'll tell you the number of times I've had a Demon Prince roll up, kill something that was important to my army, and then just to run away mm-hmm. uh, is infuriating whenever it so, happens. So that kind of um, just kind of powering through this here. Then we get to the sorcerer, our regular sorcerer. Um, he he's probably our first guy that there was a there was almost a not good or don't take him that outranked the good. And I think this probably is kind of one of those things where it's like he's he's in this no man's land where he'll give you a couple casts, but then he's not going to buff your units. And for a few more points, mm-hmm. you get an exalted sorcerer. And I think in my plate, I don't know about you, Mike, but when I was playing him, uh, I found that, believe it or not, having the extra wound and having the two-up weapon skill mm-hmm. that the Exalted has is a night and day difference. Like, the number of times I actually would end up getting my sorcerers into combat um, surprised me, and when they did, it really hurt when I didn't have that. Yeah. Well, the other bit of it, though, is that, well, one, so I guess glossing over jump pack sorcerer was another one of those sort of bonus questions. Pretty much everyone agrees. It's not really a great idea, but if you compare the regular sorcerer to the sorcerer and terminator armor, which did get a very good reception for like, what was it? 12 points. You get a two up save. You can deep strike get an invuln save. It's just the generic option. So the regular sorcerer just doesn't stack up very well against its competitors there. Yeah, that chapter approved when they added those updates to him definitely pushed pushed the regular sorcerer kind of out of the way at that point. So yeah, and just to just to 
let you guys know where the numbers were on that. The regular sorcerer, um, there was only 5% uh, of the respondents that said that he was an auto-inclusion, where about 50% thought he's good. And about if you take that up to about 70% combining it with good, but they don't take him because of the meta, mm -hmm. um, I kind of read that as he's good, but you know, there's a good chunk of the people who think he's good that just kind of are you know, questionable on whether they're going to take him or not. Um, and as yeah. you were alluding to, there was only about, uh, you know, not even, uh, not even 50% thought the jump pack was, was required or even mm -hmm. you know, worth it if you have the points. Yeah. So, and then on the Sorcerer and Terminator armor, um, again, he, he kind of rates probably right behind the Demon Prince here where he's, he's really good. Uh, overwhelmingly, uh, 50, 55% of folks thought he's really good. Uh, but not an auto-include, um, but there's another about 10% that thought he was an auto-include. So, you know, it's a, it's a very strong showing for him, like you were saying. Yeah. And then pretty much if you're going to take him, the Sorcerer and Terminator Armor should have the familiar because yeah. it's just, if it's excellent. It's a very point-sufficient uh, increase for your Sorcerer's ability. It lets you put that one spell on him that doesn't have to go on one of your other guys that has a bonus to cast, that you can cast that first, and then you, it frees you up to use, use him like a regular sorcerer. Yep. So it's a, it's a very, very good upgrade. Mm -hmm. So then we get down to our troops, which yep. uh, did not really see any surprises here, I'm afraid. Uh, cultists are very much... Is actually interesting looking at the numbers. So a good number of people thought they were good, like a little less than 40%. And then a, a good number of people thought they were not good. And then you had these sort of very weird middling bars of auto-include and good not taken due to blah. Which I'm actually wondering if that might be as a result of the FAQ... Um, the various things that have happened to cultists over the lifetime of this particular survey. Cause yeah. this story has been out long enough to have been hit by both the chapter approved and, um, vigilance ablaze when they remove the ability mm -hmm. to get chapter traits. Nothing really affects them, but on the chapter traits thing, but still. Yeah. They miss out quite a lot because even though they kind of patched in the Vigilus Ablaze, cultists no longer getting legion, legion traits for a thousand mm -hmm. suns. That's not really a big deal, right? Yeah. They, uh, they don't really have that synergy with the army at all. They're just kind of like a filler, um, yeah. which at this point, you know, I hope when they, when we eventually do get on to the next version of the codex or the next round of updates that we get, I hope that one of the things that they look at is potentially using cultists, um, you know, somebody, somebody actually on the, on the thousand sun subreddit, I thought had a fantastic suggestion and that was to make cultists more like, um, uh, thralls in a way where yeah. you can sacrifice cultists nearby to like maybe negate perils of the warp or, um, something along that line, which now that on the other hand would have, very good synergy with the army and I could see you leaving that at them at like what five points per model at the moment. Yeah. So. Or even making them more in line with like Carrick Acolytes in Age of Sigmar where they ha carry like arcane relics. Sure. And can do minor magical abilities. Something to sort of make them stand out as just not guardsmen. Right. 
right, they don't absolutely. really have a role at the moment, especially whenever you consider some of the other options you have in the Thousand Suns Codex. Like Rubric Marines, yeah, which is kind of the next one up, which, you know, as you know, Rubric Marines have taken over the competitive meta now and are yeah. winning winning majors. So, um, yeah, though so I do think the survey does, well, effectively doesn't reflect their new competitiveness. Um, because it is sort of more than 50% thought they weren't good. Yeah, I still, in my own, in my own thoughts, I still think nothing's really changed with Rubik's. Um, I think there's still one of those things that of a lot of people, and I think the results kind of echo that a lot of people are just torn on them. Um, they're, they're, they've got a nice stat sheet in some way, Mm -hmm. and then they've got drawbacks where the price comes into play. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit like how the FAQ changed them and that might help a little bit. I do, I just don't think from a design of your army standpoint right now that rubrics are necessarily the answer. Yeah. Um, with the, you know, we're, we're almost dead split here where it's 30% say they're good. 30% say they're good, but don't take them because of the meta. And then almost 30% say they're just not good. About 25% say they're not good. So yeah. that's a, that's a really it, to me, that's a really almost perfectly evenly split uh, group of responses that are just saying, yeah, I don't think they're worth taking. Yep. But then uh, the other problem is they have to contend with our last troop choice, the Zengors. Yeah. Which um, pretty much everyone agrees more than se- almost yeah. 70% are auto include on Zengors. And then, the vast majority of the remainder is set them as good. And to tell you how overwhelming it is, we had almost 300 responses in this survey. Only uh-huh. four people said Zengors suck. Say, I will admit I was one of those people. <laughs> so you can actually just remove one of those because I okay. hate Zengors. Because why are there goats in my Dusty Boys army? <laughs> Oh, Mike, I can hear you just winning people over left and right. Oh, yeah, I'm We're going to chant for you for, for president here soon. I bet. I didn't sign up for Codex Zangors, right? I didn't. <laughs> so the next guy we had up, uh, we're going to start getting <laughs> into our elites here. Uh, we had the Hellbrute. Um, again, falls right in line with rubrics. Same, almost exact same numbers here as we saw with mm-hmm. the rubrics, 30, 30, and 27% uh, from good uh, good but not taken and not good. Yeah, only five percent said he needs to be auto taken. Um, I think those are just kind of random, random responses. Though, you know, if I did have a conversation with someone who auto takes a hellbrute, I, that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> they are yeah. they they are definitely in a weird spot, be, and I think they're feeling the pressure from the contemptor dreads right now. Yeah, uh, just because they've gotten so cheap, and as we'll see in the F, the FAQ chat, they've got more options now. So. Yeah. All right. Terminators and on the Termies, yeah. which did not receive a positive reception again. Uh, pretty much the same sort of a little less good than the rubrics. Uh, effectively, a lot of people say good, but not taken due to meta because in certain capacities, they are actually an excellent unit. It's just not for anything that you're going to face in a competitive environment. Um, I've had plenty of good games with mine, but I would not take them to a tournament. They they definitely suffer like the rest of the Terminators. I mean, there's they're they're if you were to just isolate in a vacuum just the Terminators, I 
put these guys up towards the top. Um, I yeah. think the Death Shroud give them a run for their money because of what they can do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the the Death Watch guys also have their stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I think the AP, just the natural AP two bolters on these guys with a with a sorcerer in there as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah, dang awesome. They're, they're very solid. Plus the yeah. uh, they have all those dust, so against smaller mm -hmm. arms, they're going to be in a very good spot. But that's not competitive. <laughs> just that's not the way that works. Well, Zangor Shaman was an this is yeah. I was going to say we've been talking about uh, Rubric Marines too long. We need to get back to the actual Thousand Suns units like Zangors. Oh, oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. We uh, have, he got we, a positive response. Um, he he did, and I think yeah. he deserves that, in my own opinion. Uh, I will admit, the Zengor Shaman is mechanically an excellent unit. Oh, uh, yeah. As much as I hate him because he's a goat <laughs> on a disc. Where do you even get that from? Give that back. I want my rubrics on a disc, damn it. Uh, but uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, overwhelmingly. Though uh, I would say that he's mostly, people consider him good as opposed to an auto-include. Um, which is not surprising, um, mostly because the Zengor Shaman uh, is really, you want to include him for certain types of armies, yeah. 4,000 Suns. However, not every list needs a Zengor Shaman. Yeah, because he's 90 points, and then you have that Sorcerer looking at, uh, looking at you at 98 points. So yeah. it's an eight-point difference going to stop you from taking. And the, the Sorcerer helps you fill out uh, an HQ slot as well, by the way. But yes. it, you know that eight points is not going to stop you from... I think in most cases people go and you know what, if I'm going to drop 90 points into a psyker, I'm going to get two casts and he's going to be a psyker mm -hmm. where the shaman kind of probably is like a mutually inclusive um, add to your army. When you start talking about Zangor Lighten coming up. Yeah. So, All right. And then your favorite unit, the Gribbly beast also known as the chaos bomb for people who, um, like being turned into gribbly beasts uh got a resoundingly unfavorable uh vote uh yeah. nobody thinks they're good no nope. um obviously they have not seen the glories of the like 20 what was it 21 uh chaos spawn army uh that I went around at some point. Oh yeah, it's it's hilarious. But we need to go into it right now. This be one of those joke things we can talk about on another podcast. But yes, um, three maxed out units of chaos spawn and then other chaos spawn from Forge World. It's hilarious. It's I like ridiculous. it. Um, but uh, that'd be a thing for another time. Well, sixty three percent of you just said the chaos spawn is just not good, and uh, yep. that doesn't surprise me. Uh, yep, I'm not surprised at all. Um, does not stop me from liking them though. <laughs> he has that soft spot in your heart for him. Right? I, I do. They're just so adorable in their horrible little way. Well, then we have the Zangor Enlightened. Um, yep. More, more goats. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the Enlightened, I, I, the, the results don't surprise me. Um, most people, and I think myself, think he's good. You know, there are about 56% that say he's good. Another 16% say you need to auto include these guys. Um, so that takes you up, you know, you're almost over 70 or you are over 70% at that point, just mm -hmm. between those two groups, which to me tells me that they're really good. Yeah. The problem is, is we don't see them matched up when I do the stats on the armies and what they're taking. These guys just don't show up. Um, yeah. Though the thing that's uh... meta right now. 
Yeah. The thing that's also interesting about them, though, is that their numbers ex- almost exactly match up with the Zangor Shaman. Effectively, because if you're going to take Lightning, you're going to take him. You're going to see this, those people that like both of them voting right. the same. Right. Um, but yeah, I think the meta shifted on them because um, a year ago, you saw them over all over the place. Yeah. But at the moment, they're just not an excellent choice for certain things. And I think that came right at the time the Knights were coming out. And it really was just one of those things where, I mean, Knights changed the game. Yeah. You know, they, they, this pretty much required so much other heavy, heavy weaponry to be on the tables Yep. that, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're only two wounds. They've only got what T4. Mm-hmm. They're only, you know, five up in bone. You can, you can take those guys off the table real quick. Yeah. So, all right. Time well, for the most disappointing section of this codex. That's right. The heavy Includes. support. So the good stuff is over guys. That's yep, it. Sorry. That's, all that's good. All right. The tank, not even I could love the chaos land Raider. Ah. Uh, pretty much everyone agrees. The chaos land Raider is awful. Um, He's worse fact, than chaos spawns. Yes. Uh, including the good, but not taken due to meta. They are at a whopping. Uh, 90, 90 percent. Yeah, 91% of people think that you shouldn't take them. And unfortunately, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I've looked for years for a way to include one of these things in an army, and I just can't do it. You know, uh, what, I, you know what it is, Mike? Hmm. I've been thinking about the Land Raider. Let's just say, let's for assume for a second that you're, you have stuff that's worthwhile transporting in there all right yeah you can make some use of it or maybe all you do is use it for lowering your drop count or hiding guys in it yeah what really kills the land raider for chaos is the fact that we have to take the last cannons on them yes if we could put two um bell fire flamers on those sponsons oh yeah it'd be perfect oh yeah Bale flamers on there. How about oh, yeah. yeah that or what if you could just put two giant Reaper auto cannons on the that, side? That sounds awesome. That that would be amazing. Yep, Games Workshop get on that. And for Thousand Suns, maybe you make them Soul Soul Reaper cannons on the side, yeah. or like something you know, twin Soul Reaper cannons or something mm-hmm. like ridiculously awesome and dumb. Yep. All right, on to a tank that's not so bad: the Chaos Predator. Well, not anyone really thought it was auto-include, except for the three lone Mavericks. Um, good job, guys. I'm proud of you. Uh, the Pretty much everyone sort of mixed on this. Uh, some people got thought it's good. Some people thought it's good, but not good enough. And pretty much the same number of people thought they were not good. So sort of a balanced unit, I guess. I, I think this is, again, feeling the pressure from the contemptors because I, yeah. I have a feeling most people that would look at this would know, well, I get the same thing almost cheaper out of a Contemptor Dread and I get a five-up invul. So you get something more survivable, you know, hits way better, can move and shoot without penalties, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, uh, granted, you get kill shot with your Predator. Yeah, uh, but, but then you have to you know, take three of them. Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Well, then we have my favorite tank of all of the, uh, <laughs> and that is the Vindicator. And I have three of them shit- sitting on myself. Yes, uh, probably shitting on the self too. But uh, yes, sitting on the self shelf. Um, some problems with words. There I'm gonna me. I'm gonna move on from that. And uh, they they suck. Uh, they are <laughs> they are again 
in the 90, these are even worse than the Land Raider because when you combine good but people don't take them and then not good at all, uh, we have a 90, uh, 92% uh, com combination there of, you know, I'm not taking Vindicators. Uh, yeah, it's just you not know, a good tank. That poor guy. I, the T8 is awesome on him, but it's their mm -hmm. it's their demolisher cannon and the fact that you only get d6 or 2d6 when you're fighting when you're shooting yep. three and it's just kind of pointless afraid so yeah all right well on to my favorite chaos vehicle the defiler yeah uh did not fare very well unfortunately surprised not even remotely uh effectively <laughs> um until very recently the defiler was just not a very good unit. Um, it's a versatile unit, but you're effectively, you're paying half again, what you would if you just took a Mauler fiend or a shooting, an actual shooting unit. Uh, so I'm not surprised. It's not well received. It also has very little synergy in the uh, thousand sons codex because only the D demon prince actually does anything for it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not surprised. Pretty much uh, more than 50% of people said it was not good. Um, and then of the remainder, more more than half of them said it was good, but not does not take due to meta. So, I think we'll see them taken, but not as Thousand Suns. Yeah. They'll be taken as you know Chaos Space Marines. Because I, I yeah. think the Defiler is great, but now you know when you take them in that Soul Forge pack and you take yeah. the, the Lord Discordant with them, it's really mm -hmm. the Lord Discordant that's going to make these guys really good. Yeah. I you have a bunch of there. spider spider beasts walking all over the table. Yep. So. Uh, Forge well, Fiend the, uh, fared even worse than the Defiler. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, you, you, on a ballistic skill of four up, why are you going to pay that much for that unit? It it sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. for less, I get a I get the Dreadnought. Yeah, like it's just everywhere better. Mm -hmm. It's it no, just right there with you. GW, please just fix the Forge Fiend. Please fix the Forge Fiend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't even know where to go there. You have 70. Again, there's like almost 80, almost 98% say that that thing is terrible. And I guess there's probably some folks that think they're okay because it's one of the only like shooting platforms that we really look at that kind of has like a five up involved. It's T7. It's got mm -hmm. more wounds than uh, if I think. I think it's like 12 wounds or 14 wounds. Yeah. I think you it's know, 12. A little bit more tanky than like a predator, but still. Yeah. Uh, fiend though. Mullerfiend I like. Yeah, and and I think, I think people are kind of agreed with that. Yep. So we're not still, most people don't think the Mullerfiend is good. Uh, we still have like 50, just over 50% say it's not good or don't take it. Uh, whereas we had a good strong percentage of people that said it was good. Um, it, it can play a role in a thousand suns army. You can buff it. Uh, they're pretty tanky. You can reduce their, uh, their invuln down to a four up. Um, you can get some synergies off the Zinch demons, give it a six up field of pain with the changeling. I mean, there's all sorts of fun things you can do with it. But, uh, you know, in an army where, most of your main options, like if you're going to take a lot of Zangors, uh, Demon Princes, things like that, it's all assault. They're all assault units. And, you know, he just kind of adds to the assaultiness of the army. 
yeah. where the, the shooty, the shooty options are kind of where a lot of these things are struggling. So, yeah. And his, uh, his ugly cousin, the yep. mutilith beast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm actually kind of impressed that the vortex beasts did so well. Um, in the, Voting's combining auto including good. He's above fifty percent uh, people taking him, uh, probably because of his sort of synergy with Zengors and uh, actually being an interesting unit. Um, I, I would struggle to say he's like super reliable, but has a definite role. Uh, you Either- used one more than I have in this case, though. So, and I can I can lean on probably some of the feedback that I've gotten from other tournament players. Um, all of them, you know, I've chatted with Matthew Ali about it. I've chatted with Reef Bates about it. Reef even took one to LVO, I think, if I remember right. Um, apologies if I'm getting that wrong, but they're, they're basically – everybody's having a hard time making these things work right now. That's That's really the main problem. And I think some of it might have to do with the meta, but I think the other part of it is – um, you really don't want to get invested in more than one. And when they do get into combat, I, you know, I get the design that they were going for. Should the Mauler Fiend be better in combat? I, I agree it should. Like that is your melee Mauler big dude versus the Mutalith is kind of more of a support unit. But in going that route, like if this thing is like pure warp energy, I think it needs to have either T8 or it should have more wounds that it has right now. Uh, maybe going to 16, uh, dare I say 18 wounds on one of those things might make it worthwhile. And I think the reason, the, the reason behind that is because its main mechanic is based on how many wounds it loses. Yeah. And it's too easy for folks to just pretty much take the thing off the table at 14 wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at on it. But yeah. All right. Overwhelmingly now, though, people thought, you know, we had, sorry about that, Mike, but overwhelmingly we had people say that, you know, it's a good unit and worth taking. Uh, so over 50% of the folks think it's take worth taking. And I, I don't think that surprises me because I think people look at it between that and the Mauler Fiend. Those are what you're looking at. And I think mm-hmm. the, the, the real benefit there is I can reroll charges with it. We'll get into the FAQ a little bit. There might be some reasons to take them, uh, yeah. but we got to move on here to the, uh, the hell Turkey. Yep. Also known as the lame duck of the codex. He's no longer a proud Turkey. He, um, yeah. Uh, it's not a good spot. More than 50% of people thought he was not good, and I'm yeah. inclined to agree. Uh, also, I'm somewhat vicariously happy that he's so bad now. Um, I always always hated this model. It's annoying but to paint. I'm sure. But, um, yep, yeah, uh, then another 20, more than 80% of people who voted thought this was a hell jerky is just not good at the moment. And unfortunately um, that is kind of true. Um, yep. He has a sort of a niche spot as a bully, but it doesn't do a good enough job at it to really perform the role. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love the hell Drake's concept um, because <clears throat> there's really not many other 
flying or I guess we call them aircraft now in the game yeah. that are designed to assault. I think it's the only one. Actually, is the Heldrake even an aircraft? Does it have a minimum movement value? Uh, it does. Oh, actually, no, you're right. It will not count <laughs> as an aircraft. Yeah. That is interesting. Right, we'll we'll have to talk there. about that in a little yep. bit. Yeah, for sure. I didn't think about that. But overwhelmingly, it sucks right now. And yep. Yeah, not surprised. All right, Chaos Rhino, also not well-received. Uh, I'm actually – so I'm not surprised. Uh, generally, my consensus of everyone I've talked to is that transports are trash because they're overpriced, death traps, that you're just going to get your guys killed. I like them, um, but uh, I can understand why people don't take, think they're very good. I'll say this. The, if the survey right now is saying that over 60% of everybody – 60, over 65% of mm-hmm. everybody says that the Rhino right now is not even worth taking. And it just lost the Bolter discipline, yeah. beta mm-hmm. rule. Um, I can't imagine how bad everybody thinks it is now. Because that was the <laughs> one thing I think that was really keeping this thing in the game. Yeah. Uh, because now all of a sudden, hey, I could run my Rhinos around and get you know eight Bolter shots no matter where I was off the thing. That's... Really yeah. good. No, I'm, I'm, this sort of matches what I've heard people say. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah. um, that's what the survey says. Um, so, them's, them's the facts. Them's the facts. That's right. And that's that concludes our uh, run through the survey results. Uh, just a reminder, guys, I'll, I'll be posting this up in about a week. And, uh, you know, I'll start a thread on that, and hopefully uh, everybody can kind of chime in and get their get their take on what they think there. So, yep. All right, but we've got more interesting things to talk about at the moment, don't we, Mike? Yes, sir. On to the meat of our podcast. So, uh, the April 2019 FAQ hit earlier this week, and uh, we have gone through it and sort of figured out what all the stuff are. There's a ton of content. I've got about two pages of notes that I cobbled together for tonight. All right. So um, I guess we'll start with the sort of the universal changes that have yeah. occurred that affect um, all the armies. The, for instance, the core FAQ with the release notes um, include some interesting things that they've clarified. Uh, for instance, uh, wobbly models. Um, I'm sure uh, this has come up in at least some of y'all's conversations. Uh, Especially, they've sort of waved their finger at the community and said, guys, this is really supposed to be a thing to protect your models from being harmed. It is not supposed to be used as a way to position your models in a way that is advantageous, but would not physically be possible. We really Um, are ridiculous. I mean... Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I've... I understand what they're getting at. Effectively, uh, I think that certain people were trying to abuse the rule, even though it's not really a rule, it's more of a guideline. Yeah, I, I, I see it kind of from both sides. I see it from the side where folks want to play to the letter of the rule. I, and I think the folks that are – I think there's an innate difference in, in people fundamentally yeah. where th- there are people who – think almost like pure scientifically or pure mathematically about the game. And yes. they look at it as absolutes between black and white. Mm-hmm. And to them, 
they're looking at the rules and they're saying, well, it's written this way, which means I can interpret it this way. And it's almost very much like the magic, the gathering. Like if you've Mm -hmm. never played that, that system of games, it's very much like the, the crowd you see in those games because everything in that game is, is designed for that. Yes. Whereas in 40 K it's not designed for that. It's, it's open for you to have these gray areas and just, Mm -hmm. you know, have things like, look, don't break your model. It's not a rule that's there or an opening for you to find some gotcha. Uh, And I, and I think this FAQ was something that kind of, for me, uh, when I look at this, I kind of think now, you know, yeah, there's a, I think there's a problem in the community mm-hmm. where a lot of folks are looking for lot of, to, they're yeah. looking for it that way, right? They're yeah. looking like, you know, okay, maybe my army got shut down or like my army got nerfed and now what I have to do is go find some gimmick or find some rule in the game where I can take advantage of it and surprise my mm-hmm. opponent. Yeah. And at the end of the day if you're looking at it and I th- I think the litmus test I can put on this is if it's a matter of your opponent, not knowing what you're trying, how something works, like the fact that, you know, something does something and they don't. um, And it's like a core rule. It's not something like, Hey, this is something my army does. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the kind of area we're getting into where that becomes a little bit nefarious for the quality of the game. Yeah. So uh, on the same sort of vein, the uh, next topic that they covered was evidently they never explicitly said you cannot move your models off of the play area. Yeah. And so people were sort of <laughs> entering the nebulous fog of war that is beyond the edge of the table. Again, so they, I, yeah, I feel like GW is just kind of like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. what are you doing? But they did add in a sentence to the basic rule book saying that no barter model or base can be set up or move over the edge of the battlefield. Of course, they did not actually specify what the edge of the battlefield meant. So now I'm sure they're going to be oh, some Oh, God, guy. Mike. Stop it. Yeah. Stop I'm it. Sorry, but um, I know people like that. Anyways, uh, the <laughs> next one I actually was kind of clever. I had not thought about this. Um They've disallowed disembarking from a transport that was destroyed during Overwatch. So you so know the people, deal with this, right? I, I'm, I'm sure it did some ridiculous thing, and now it's no longer allowed. Well, well, we had folks even here in our in our oh, local yeah. area that that kind of shot. The, I don't think anybody actually tried to do it because it was yeah. it was that dumb. But they <laughs> you take a combi plasma on your rhino. Okay. And then you overcharge on purpose to have it just get destroyed in your shooting phase. Okay, it's destroyed. Oh, so and yeah, now my guys hop out, and hop out, and then they charge. Okay, I got it. And if yeah, I, it's you cool. might know the plasma rules better than me, but if I remember right, it's an un, it's a modified one that causes yeah. the death. So uh-huh. you could even find like something in their army that was minus one to hit. It's like great, I'm shooting at that. Yeah, not at that. See, but they decided that that's not the intention, so you can't do that anymore. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bravo, though. Yep. So they added, the, they uh, have tweaked their ruling on flying. Um, so there's a whole article on it. It takes up almost the entirety of the second page of their sort of uh, yeah, big we, FAQ we might, thing. We might want to take a couple seconds to just yeah. kind of look at the nuance of that. So the effectively, the way that they ruled previously, 
um, back in the fall FAQ from last year was flying units did not move over models or terrain whenever they charged. Um, because the reason the being that models also included buildings and they did not want buildings to be excluded from measuring distances for terrain. Mm-hmm. Now they've decided that they should just clarify a little more. So now you can move over models that do not have the building keyword, but you still do not ignore terrain when you charge. Um, this mostly affects things with the fly keyword, uh, Harlequins, uh, Wraiths, and vet- Vanguard Veterans, um, which, honestly, this, as much as it, I I don't really care either way, I do think it helps certain armies um, because now it makes you able to bypass certain screens on these more elite armies. Well, the, the, if we go back to last year when they ch- introduced this change, um, and they were, they were pretty good at describing why they introduced the change before, um, mm-hmm. the, the first thought I realized was that, well, a lot of our stuff that flies is not worth really taking in combat to some degree. So yeah. the Demon Prince is a good example. Like I was looking at like, well, is the, are the wings on the Demon Prince even worth taking anymore if I'm just going to keep them back and save them for cleanup duties or just to, yeah. you know, whenever, whenever I weaken stuff, weaken their army down and then I'll put them in. Yeah, the wings might not make that much sense. But now it's kind of like, no, we're definitely back into auto-include. You know, yeah. we've got to take the wings on it because that thing can make a huge difference on your your Demon Prince being able to just hop around in combat. Yeah, and also it definitely helps uh, Harlequins and Necrons in particular because both of those armies were not doing especially good after Blood that. Angels. We're going to yeah. see the Smash Captains return. <laughs> like they ever left. Uh... Anyways, uh, the next fun include uh, as a beta rule is the aircraft keyword. Yeah. Uh, effectively, any model that has a minimum movement characteristic gains the aircraft keyword, which means that uh, you are allowed to move within an inch of them or over their base while they are using their minimum movement. So, for instance, if they have a hover rule like... Um, most of the Space Marine transports, transport flyers, and the Valkyrie, uh, you can. They don't have this rule, but whenever they're zooming around, uh, you they can't block you. This mostly um, is useful for uh, allowing you to bypass some of the shenanigans that the Eldar flyer lists do. It makes it a little. It makes it possible to at least try to maneuver around the battlefield. There are still some ways they can stop you from doing it, though. Yeah, I. This is probably of everything. This was so. First of all, the, the FAQ for me was fantastic. This was probably yeah. the best FAQ I've seen them do in the last in all of Eighth Edition so far. Mm-hmm. But this was probably the most disappointing change that they made because I could get a sense that they were trying to fix it, but they kind of only went like too deep into this and I, I get what they're doing, but the reality of this, if, if you look, I can take if let's take the Eldar flyer situation. Mm-hmm. Eldar flyers. I think what remakes them so good is the fact that they have what was called, I think vector dance or the, the fact that they can basically, yeah. they can just basically strafe back and forth and remain supersonic the whole time because they get an extra pivot. Yes. If they didn't have that extra pivot, 
I think that's a big difference. The, the thing completely changes. Yes. Here's, here's why. I can have, say, uh, let's just say I take three flyers. The size of those flyer bases is easily, what, like six inches? Yeah, it's like, like six by inches strip. by four inches is an oval. And the way the, the, the thing to remember about these rules is that you still can't come within one inch of a flyer. Uh, actually, you can. That's you, what this does. Uh, you can't end your turn within one inch of a flyer. You can go over their base. You can move within one inch, but you can't end within one inch. Correct. That's that second part where they say that you can't remain within one inch of models. Mm-hmm. Now, the catch, the, the real problem with the flyers in the charge phase is the fact that they can't be charged by models that don't fly. And the whole gimmick here with running all these flyers is that you basically prevent the opponent from interacting with your army in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if I have, let's say I have a bunch of guardians, guardian defenders or or whatever, sitting that I don't want charged, if I park a flyer right up in front of it, that still is having a huge effect on it where I... I still can't charge over that base because if you're close enough to the defenders, I can't end my charge on the other side of your base. There's no room for me to put the model, which means I can't come within one inch of the flyer's base. Mm -hmm. So it even extends an inch out from the sides of each of the, of the flyer. So at least what they've done now is I can charge past that one inch barrier there on the side of the flyer but I still can't end within one of the flyers. So you effectively still have the same exact mechanic that is a problem today. So I don't think that this, I don't think this issue and I don't think that list is really going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, solely based on the fact that you can pretty much still get the mechanic to work the way you want it to. Yeah, I think that this is it's a step in the right direction because um, it at least yeah. allows you to try to move around the table as long as you can move more than six inches at a time. However, uh, it is, is doesn't enough to fix the issue that that list presents. Yeah, yeah. All I right. think at the end of the day, you know, what I alluded to before is they they need to take away the double pivot on those flyers. Um, you know, if it means hey, they have. They have a, maybe what it is is if they advance or something like that, they get minus two to hit or something like that where, but they can't shoot afterwards or something along that line. Um, Yeah. But but if you take that extra, if you take that extra pivot away, you make it very difficult for them to, to be able to continue to pull that off. I'm sure there's still with enough flyers, you could do some, you could get them in the way, but it kills off their ability to just, literally strafe back and forth in front of in front of their line so yeah i think that so the double pivot was very important back in seventh edition but it doesn't matter which direction they're facing in this edition so i think that you can safely get rid of it at this point without adversely well making them all useless i should say right right and they're already they're they're so cheap and they're so good to begin with yeah, like mm-hmm. Prince of Hunter X arcs and those guys. So. Yeah. Anyways, I got a sense you're trying to move to the to the next thing. So. Yeah, we've got a bunch of content to go through, and I don't want to keep this thing, sort of dwell too much on any one topic. Yep. Uh, so uh, the next one is actually something that pe- the Thousand Suns uh, subreddit has been discussing for a very long time. 
<laughs> the resetting up of models. Effectively, if a model, what happens to a model that leaves a, the table as part of some special rule like Dark Matter Crystal and then comes back in? Uh, effectively, they finally provided an answer because it's become such a problem, I guess. Um, so uh, effectively, they have eight rules that apply uh, to units that are set up on the battlefield using like deep strike or other things. And then they have a subsection of these rules, which also apply um, to a unit uh, as well. Let's see, uh, So effectively um, the important takeaway from these is that one, uh, after you come in from reserves, you count as move, having moved your maximum movement characteristic. This is important for certain units, like for instance, uh, Eldar super heavy tanks that deep strike in will count as having moved, and so they get their Eldar hollow fields whenever they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I can't think of any sort of vanilla units this really affects though. Um, all right. Obviously, uh, every, I'm sure everyone knows that uh, because they're counted as being set up as battlefield reinforcements, that triggers units uh, things like. Uh, the Ruins of Witnessing from Eldar were allowed to shoot at them, uh, things like that. Uh, you cannot move again for any reason other than to charge. So they've finally answered the question. You cannot warp time after you Dark Matter Crystal. Um, yes. Which, that's honestly, that's a good ruling. Um, I don't think anyone's just going to disagree with that. I'm not shocked at all. Yep. They did clarify that if you use an alternative deployment method, uh, if and you were locked in combat before, you do not count as having fallen back because you did not make a fallback move. That is actually really interesting, though. That's... Uh, that was always my interpretation. Um, because the fallback move is a specific type of movement, and mm-hmm. you can ex- actually take it. Um, obviously, if you have advanced previous to your redeployment, you still yep. count as having advanced because you did take the action. Um, and then uh, six, unless your thing says otherwise, uh, destroyed models are not returned. I'm not sure that that... Yeah, I don't understand how that would have come up, but I think they're probably just being like yeah. 150% clear, I guess, on the issue. Yep. Um, Seven is effectively sort of the same vein. Uh, you retain lost wounds. Um, and then the number eight is a long one. Effectively, it just gear, it goes into that any abilities or stratagems, just like powers that you had in place before you were removed and deployed, continue to affect the same unit. I, effectively, just I, maintaining that. Yeah, I think this applies to us in a big deal because you, if you think about it, you Weaver of Fates and um, Glamorazine, your, your Zangors, and you then Dark Matter Crystal them the next turn. Um, you can essentially, if you think about it, this actually gets really important because let's say you're going to go after you know, Eldar. The way to do it um, is to, in the turn before you're going to do it, you put Weaver of Fates and you put Glamorazine on them, and then you go and put them, you know, you Dark Matter them, in your mo- yep. in your following movement phase, so that if they decide to intercept on them, well, great. You're I'm on a, I'm still on a four up invul and, and I have that minus one to hit still. So I think yeah. that's really important. It is. Um, I again I don't see how I guess I've never encountered anyone who would argue against that. Uh, but I guess they're just sort of 
future proofing to make sure that nobody uh, makes issue. Uh, yeah, it probably came around. Uh, sorry, Mike. I, it probably uh, just came around from people looking at the fact that the unit was removed from the play and yeah. then put, and then basically almost like recreated in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where they're just saying, "Look, the unit is being moved on the battlefield, and it triggers re- like it triggers abilities that let you shoot at it and things yeah. like that." That's the key. All right. Uh, so the next one is something I personally found hilarious. Uh, the organized event guidelines regarding repeated data sheet clarifications. <laughs> so effectively, uh, there were some people that were arguing that the each of the demon princes in the index, Codex Chaos Space Marines, Codex Demon, Chaos Demons, Death Guard, and Thousand Sons were all all had different um, data sheet names and therefore were separate units. Uh, this also applied to heavy weapon squads from the Astra Militarum Codex, uh, the index that includes Death Corps of Krieg and Brood Brothers, the Elysians, pretty much any of those sort of weird heavy weapon squads, and uh, Lehman Russes for Gene Steeler Colts and the Brood Brothers. Effectively, Games Workshop has come out and said, no, these are all the same model. They're all the same unit. So, effectively, you are hard capped at three of Demon Prince's heavy weapon squads or Demon Russes. Okay. So, contentious issue number one, or number two, because we already covered Warp Time and Dark Matter Crystal. So, this is the one where I, I think, I know people are going to disagree with me when I look at this, but I look at it and I say, okay, you're laying precedent down to be able to confirm that the Thousand Suns Demon Prince is allowed to take a Warp Bolter. Yeah. Warp Bolter is like that really contentious thing. It's only a two-point upgrade or three-point upgrade or whatever. It just shoots a couple shots. It's decent. It gives you some shooting. Mm -hmm. So... When I look at the index, I see that in the Thousand Suns section, it points to the Demon Prince, the shared Demon Prince profile that everybody else can use. It does not point to like a Nurgle version of it or anything like that. It's page 21 in the index. And that one has the ability, I'm looking right at it, it says it can take a Warp Bolter. I think if you're going to say that for purposes, uh, even if you're going to say, look, for purposes of the rule of three, they all count as the same. This gets into that thing, I, that little rant I had earlier about you know, <laughs> the literal, us taking the rules so literally. I think at the end of the day, when you look at this, if you're going to say that the demon prince of Zinch is the same as like a demon prince, like you're just saying, look, this is a demon prince. You can only have demon, three demon princes in your army it does allow you now to go take a warp bolter using that workflow that's there. Yeah. So. I mean, I think your logic is sound. We'll see if games workshop puts out a release. So honestly, I don't think the warp bolters so ubiquitous or game breaking that anyone's ever going to really, which is probably why they it. haven't actually written an FAQ or anything in our codex. Like, like let's yeah. let be honest, how much of us are willing to die on a hill over someone taking like a two point three point upgrade on their demon princes. Yeah, I could see it like a top table, or you know, you're you're playing something like that, and you call someone out. I would hope you've worked that out with the TO ahead of time. But, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, 
I, I just kind of look at it like, okay, I was on the other side of the fence before where when they said, hey, these are different profiles, my opinion was, look, these are, this means you should not be able to take the warp bolter because of that. Yeah. Whereas now that they've kind of reversed their decision on these things, I think that th- that means now you can take a warp bolter. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and then the uh, next segment is finalized match play rules. So uh, every FAQ or uh, some certain white dwarfs, they put out beta rules to have us test and uh, determine whether or not this helps the game. Um, and then we, after a certain amount of time, they codify them, effectively make them actual rules. And so a couple of these um, have made muster um, and are going to actually become permanent additions to the game. The first of which, uh, with a minor amendment, is the Bolter Discipline Rule. Effectively, this allows all Adeptus Astartes and Heretic Astartes and Fallen models to double-tap their Bolters at maximum range if they don't move. Or if they're a a special type of Astartes, like a Terminator, Biker, Centurion, Dreadnought, or Helbert, even if they do move, they always double-tap. Uh, this is a fantastic change to the Marines. It uh, really sort of helps them make up for the fact that they're not a great army at the moment. It sort of uh, may, allows them power to compete armor. with guard. Um, yeah, power armor isn't really good right now. Yeah. Um, however, there have been are two minor changes that have been put in play for this version of the Multispin Rule. One, as mentioned earlier, um, Vehicles that are not dreadnoughts or hellbrutes can no longer uh, benefit from this rule. Effectively, it was decided that certain units like Land Raider Crusaders and uh, Storm Ravens, Storm Ravens, and Rhinos were taking effectively too good with this rule. Uh, so they've <laughs> lost that ability. Uh, just, I mean, I guess maybe there was something that they saw that we're we're not seeing but land reader crusaders to be fair to our you know immortal enemies or immortal or forever enemies basically yep uh they were just starting to see play yeah and that's with this rule and it kind of feels like ah guys gotcha we're gonna rip the rug out from under you and you know take it away and i feel like even the storm ravens for that matter like we weren't seeing Mm -hmm. them running wild it wasn't like this was you know something that people were taking advantage of it was i'm sure there were some folks that were like yeah i could i could put this in it's viable now you know i could move wherever i want and get max shots but yep yeah oh well well, it's gone uh, the other thing they took a hit though was death watch effectively. Now um, they can either use bolter discipline or special issue ammunition. They cannot do both at the same time. I think that's uh, a fantastic ruling, which I you think still, yep. Go ahead. Fantastic. Yeah. With, with death watch, you can still, in a lot of cases, you can just bring them in 12 inches away and just mm-hmm. get, get the rapid fire anyway. So yep. I mean, it's not a big loss for those guys. Uh, the other two beta rules that stayed, actually, I guess three beta rules, um, were, so prepare positions as a stratagem uh, stays. I think everyone agrees that it's a good stratagem that balances out going second by allowing your entire army, except for Titanic units and aircraft. Well, yeah. Did they, to, uh, was, the, uh, was the expansion to aircraft something new that they added this time? Yeah. Uh, aircraft is new for this FAQ. And that but, uh, makes sense. Because they're flying, why would they get cover? Yep. Um, so 
that's here to stay. Tactical restraint, the thing that prevents you from getting more than one command point per battle round uh, from either like relics or warlord traits has is still here. Uh, I think that it's a fantastic inclusion, most because it prevents a certain sort of abusive list that or just CP farms uh, that I think yep. really just slowed down the game. Um, and I don't think we're played very well. And before, before anybody gets the idea to go take Crimson Slaughter and say, aha, I've got you. I've got, I'm killing a unit to gain a command point. Look, look at the spirit of the rules that we've got yep. here. They're, they're basically saying you should not be gaining more than one command point per turn. Uh, when you do that or you get a refund or however you get it, you should not be refunded more than one command. Point it does actually say regardless of source. Um, right. Well, that's even better. Yeah. All right. And then the last rule is all of those sneaky, sneaky armies that like to, you know, deploy nine inches away and just alpha strike <laughs> you off the table. Uh, yeah. They're staying nerfed. Uh, effectively, all those rules have been changed so that it's just a nine inch move in the case of pretty much all of the, marine versions or um in the case of the craft world eldar now it's effectively a deep strike yep which i'm okay with. Problem with that yep yep with that. all right uh and then the uh rest of it uh we can actually cover um in the sort of by codex thing except for the imperial assassin stratagem i guess they felt that the stratagem was too expensive at three command ah. points so they made it two and they also patched the hole with the fallen where, yes. you know, they're like, look guys, you should not be taking assassins as chaos. And then on the flip side, you can't take sorcerers and rhinos um, as fallen on the Imperium side. So yep, tough luck. All right. But I, I agree. I think, I think one command point to just kind of guest in an assassin is maybe cheap i guess they kind of figured yeah you make it a little bit more impactful especially when you think about the armies that take them and their availability of or ability to generate lots of command points i'm thinking guard yeah like that so it, it makes sense i don't think it's game breaking yep so the um going into the codex things there's actually a couple of i guess secret um game changes sort of army-wide um that they weren't in the big um sort of preview one they clarified drop pod deployment again um so yeah. th this is a big thing back in seventh and then it sort of dropped off the radar because no one takes drop pods anymore but they grants were pestered enough so they answered it effectively drop pods if you can take them uh you can choose to deploy them either open or closed uh but once you deploy them they are deployed and you can deploy off of either the doors if it's open or off of the doors if it's closed. So it, it's really if, how much of a footprint do you want? If you were the poor chap out there who faced somebody who decided <laughs> to deploy their drop pod and then go, I dropped my doors and aha, uh -huh, I've got a five inch charge now. I'm really sorry that GW had to wait this long to, to patch that for you. But yeah, so they did still specify you have to stay more than nine inches away. So it's still going to be that nine inch charge, but you yeah. can like interweave your drop pod door. So you make this giant area where no one can go unless they kill the drop pods. It could be funny. It's never going to see play, but I'd, I'd like to see it at least once. I guess it just is one of those things where it's in a, it, there aren't very many other models in the game that have that level of, you know, change in their, in their mm -hmm. profile on the battlefield. So, yep. 
the next thing, uh, sort of a we- weird one, hand flamers for all the Imperium are now a D6 hits. Um, the, the what mar- were they before, D3? A D3, yeah. At least on, for some armies. Well, I don't uh, think that's that bad of a change. No, it's just, it's, uh, actually, I think it's a good change. It makes the hand flamer, which is sort of an underrepresented option, more viable. Um, the one thing that is a big change, though, is every super heavy tank has lost the ability to fire Overwatch while it is locked in combat. I guess that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I, I as I was combing through all the uh, FAQs, it pretty much there's dozens of entries of cannot fire Overwatch in locked in combat. It's like cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be important when we when we face something like Cadians or yep. Guard or. Um, anything that's bringing one of those big tanks. Um, yep. Ca- uh, space Marines or Chaos Space Marines, do they bring like a Fellblade? Who's bringing a Fellblade? The thing is like a thousand points still. I mean, Sad. I'm sure somebody would. Not even that good. <laughs> I know. Oh. All right. Uh, but that's it for the, um, I guess, overall changes. Um, so moving on. Well, one, one thing I do want to say, I... I think GW has done a fantastic job with this FAQ. Like yeah, the definitely the the point that they made to come in and just clarify and give an intent to the rules. I think if they can do that going forward, where if they make a rule change that they just say, "Look, the this is the goal we're trying to go for with these rules." I think that goes a long ways to making disputes kind of almost a non-issue at that point. Yeah. Where it, you know, if I'm just playing with some stranger and we get into a rule dispute, I can just look at it and say, well, look, the point of the rule is, like if we were talking dark matter crystal warp time, it wouldn't matter what point they come up with to say, hey, I'm trying to warp time my Zangors, I just deep struck and they said, well, look, you can't do that because they've stated once something comes in, you can't move it. And I think the fact that they're putting these intents and that clarification in there. On one hand, I, I think it's made this FAQ like the best FAQ they've come out with. But on the other hand, I hope they don't feel burdened by this to feel like, hey, we've got to do this every time. Yeah. You know, because I could see them just saying, God, you know, if you guys are going to treat our rules this way, we're just not going to release these updates all the time. We're not, gonna, we're not even going to bother to do this. So the direction they're going with this, though, is fantastic. So. Yeah. Um... Uh, actually, this is probably the best FAQ I've, I've seen in years uh, in terms of really sort of addressing the spirit of the rules as well as addressing some balance changes. Yeah. Um, so uh, on the topic of the spirit of the rules, uh, Space Marines actually got something nice for once. Uh, so the Intercessors, their, their entry has been updated to include all of the mini expanded model options that um, the Intercessors now have, which is nice for them. Um, it sort of makes up, well, actually, it doesn't make up for the rest of this. Uh, so they clarified um, several of their stratagems uh, to remove certain abusive interpretations, for instance, uh, using Armorium Cherub on their Devastators to benefit from Flak Missile or Hellfire Shells more than once. Uh, uh, actually, Chaos Space is affected by this. Uh, kill Shot can no long- is a- has been clarified as not being able to be used on Demos Pattern uh, yeah. Relic Land Raiders. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, not Land Raiders, Predators. Yeah, and uh, they did that across. I think they might have even done that. They they had to clarify that with the, uh, the Vindicator yeah. Laser Destroyer or something along that line. Mm-hmm. 
I think they just wanted to make clear that that the Forge World Predator and Vindicators don't count towards correct the Chaos Predator requirement, which I think um, is a good thing. Uh, it actually makes it a choice whether you want to take one or the other. Um, and then they've also clarified that Signum, which is another Devastator ability, cannot be used in conjunction with the, their banner's ability to fire before you die. Uh, pretty much if you're a Devastator, now is not a good time to be alive. <laughs> uh, but um, that that's a thing. I, I, I think as much as I want to see Space Marines to get better, I think that the things that they addressed are actually healthy rules interpretations because they have removed some use of interpretations. I think Chaos Space or Space Marines themselves, regular Space Marines, yeah. have quite a lot of options on the table. They, they do. Probably Just... could. The problem with Space Marines is how many options they actually have. If you've mm-hmm. ever opened a Battle Scribe and just decided, hey, I'm going to create a Space Marine army. It's freaking ridiculous the number of options that are in there. And then you come back to like create a Thousand Suns army and you go, meh. Yep. All I get. So I, th- I think at the end of the day, it's a double-edged sword for GW to manage an army that has that many options, that many interactions, that many different point changes. Um, so I can kind of see it from their point of view where it now might not be the time to go in and just make big changes like that. Yeah. And kind of the approach they've been taking where they kind of, but just kind of layer in additional units. It's kind of like the, um, this, this bridge is too big to fail kind of thing where yeah. we can't change it. We'll just add stuff to it all the time. Yeah. No, they did. They do benefit from the bolter discipline. Um, and yeah. so I think that they're trying to sort of tweak them, but they, the, I think they want to avoid what happened like seventh edition with the inclusion of the gladius where they went from being sort of a middling army to just completely dominating. Yeah. Um, so Gilliman moving on, still a still yeah. a monster for those guys. Oh yeah, I, I played him last weekend, and he's just good God that 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 dude is a behemoth. Oh yes. So moving on to Space Marines, you know, spikier, cooler cousins. We have That's right. Chaos. So um, Chaos actually did not come out of this particular FAQ um, unscathed. Uh, a few things happened. One, Vigilus Ablaze got its first FAQ. Uh, they specified that each of the Renegade chapters, except for the um, Red, or, Corsairs. Uh, Red Corsairs, ha- have a signed God Allegiances, um, oh. which is a big change that I don't think some people are going to like. So if you're playing Purge, you have to play Nurgle, Scourged is Zinch, Flawless Host is Slanesh, and Brazen Beast is Corn. Well, um, they're all very fluffy. Um, I'll definitely say, and um, I like it. I I completely agree with it. Um, however, I've seen someone point out that they did have a comment in there that said, "If you don't, if you don't like the, if you want to create a custom legion, just like you can do with Space Marines, you can do so, and then you can pick, or you want to create a custom Renegade Legion, you can do so, and then you can pick your Legion at that point. So if your goal." is just to get one of those legion traits. Like, for example, Flawless Host. You can still do that and create an army that doesn't require corn or Slanesh or Nurgle, etc. However, you don't get your stratagems. You don't, I think, get your relics as well. Um, you really only just get the legion trait. I'm on the fence of whether 
I, I think on the Space Marine side, when you have like the Forge World chapters and they can just kind of pick their chapter tactic that they want, that's fine. They're not gaining the stratagems the same way. I think the, the Vigilus Ablaze stuff might have not been designed with that in concept and this was kind of thrown in there. I'm just assuming things here. I could be wrong, but yeah. So I'm looking at the FAQ here and I don't, so effectively it's not, and there's nothing to do with the, like, you know, as you described, like I made a custom chapter that uses like the purge rules. It's literally purge keyword must have Nurgle keyword. Um, so I, I don't think there's any flexibility there. Uh, well, so I'll have to take a look. I mean, I could dig through the Vigilus Ablaze, but I yeah. ha- I think there is a note that they had in Vigilus Ablaze that basically says, "Hey, you know, if you don't like the if you don't want to run the purge, you can take the legion trait you want. The just the legion trait you mm-hmm. want and create a custom legion using that trait. So you won't get the stratagems, you won't get the uh-huh. relic, you won't get that stuff, but you do get the legion trait." Yeah. So um, I don't know, I'd have to look through it, but uh, all right. Uh, the next thing, Corn's uh, fighty boys got a nerf. Yeah, Butcher's nail only applies the first time a unit fights. Um, I'm not sure the point of that particular nerf. I don't think that um, the corn berserkers were, I guess the like the best thing ever um it's, as a troops choice yeah you're right it's it's that but a, it's the tip of the iceberg on a litany of issues that exist yeah. when you have a unit that does something weird where most of the other units in the game don't do like they just naturally fight twice and i can't yeah. count the number of times i've had issues where well, when can i interrupt and you know when mm-hmm. you fight a second time what about fighting a third time and yeah. you know can you can you move on to do other stuff when they interrupt i mean it, it creates all these different edge scenarios yeah. that i think them fighting twice is fantastic it's a great act for them but it's one of those things where as we've had i mean we've had what what two years now of eighth edition and uh, to 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 flush these rules out and to play or to play the you know the berserkers on the table that much, you start seeing these kind of weird scenarios come up more than you think they would. Mm-hmm. So. Um, they also answered the question regarding specialist detachment relics, uh, which yep. uh, effectively you can choose it as your free relic if you want to. Um, which I'm glad to clarify that because I was actually kind of sort of confused as to how that worked myself. Um, so, yeah, but they also, well, the wording, I'm surprised they had to do that because the I was rereading the requirements at the very front. We like to skip right, but right back mm-hmm. to the meat of the thing. But if you look, I was realizing a couple things. One is I thought the, thing, the same thing. And I also thought that the, if you spend a relic or a command point, you no longer have the ability to just spend a command point to go and take a relic, the renegade relic. You know what I mean? Like you don't have the ability to just do that because the chaos stratagem basically says you can choose an artifact from, from that book. I might, might be wrong, but I'm 99% sure that's what it says. So I can't spend a command point to take say the mecha tendrils or whatever. However, I have, there is that field general 
or field commander stratagem at the very beginning there where it does say, hey, if you upgrade one of your detachments to a specialist attachment, Mm -hmm. that lets you then take a a second warlord trait for that additional command point. And when you do that, if you look at the wording in a lot of those, that then lets you guessed into taking another relic. Yeah. I guess it does almost better than the, than the one from the chaos book. Yeah. I'm glad they answered the question because it is kind of confusing uh, the way that they had it worded. Um, But uh, so moving on to our dusty boys, the reason why we are here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thousand sons uh, hit a nerf, unfortunately, Uh, effectively uh, you can no longer uh, deploy chaos bond that are summoned mid battle. Uh, within an inch of an enemy model. So you can no longer, for instance, turn your characters into Chaos Spawn to tie up units to prevent them from charging. Now, it's there's almost... probably, Mike, there's probably a lot of people th- thinking, like, what, why was this even a thing? Like, this is probably <laughs> the least big a deal. Now, hold on a second here. Let me, let me explain this for folks. Um, I interviewed Justin Curtis after LVO. He did a great job of explaining how this works. The base of a chaos spawn itself is about three, four inches wide in, di- or in diameter. And then when you add the fact that it needs to be three inches from the character, it essentially, when you combine the two, gives you an eight and a half inch range off of it, which means reasonably you could measure um eight and a you know eight point two inches from your where your character is to place the spawn. And what that had the ability to do was if something deep struck or something came, you know, within range, you could wait until the charge phase or wait until that that important phase, pop that stratagem on say that sorcerer that's there and sacrifice them to put that chaos spawn within one of that unit and then you would not get charged or you would prevent them from being able to shoot or, you know, whatever you wanted to do there. And that was a really big mechanic. I still think there exists some scenarios where you can make this work where you put the spawn hidden in a building behind line of sight to prevent a char- your other characters from being shot. But I think if, if you're at that point, you're either at the end of the game and that's kind of like a game-breaking kind of move that you're doing, um, or that's about it. Because yep. otherwise, you know, you're pretty much going to keep your... Our, our characters are so important, you're going to keep them yeah. up. So anyways, that was kind um, of the mechanic that they, they've been using. So in essence, if someone, if someone came in from reserves from Deep Strike nine inches away, you had the ability, if your sorcerer was right out front, or was measured nine inches away, you had the ability to put a chaos spawn within inside of one inches of the unit coming in from deep strike and you could prevent them from charging you. And that was why they patched this. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is actually a kind of a, I don't know if it's a buff, but it just clarifies it. Uh, especially it, it tells you in no uncertain terms that if you use treason of Zinch, an enemy character, your opponent has to fight it. They can't just, you know, stand there and wait for it mm-hmm. to like it to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is I guess good. Most of most of the most of the games that I've gotten through, this was something that most people knew that there were or at least in the tournament area. I 
I'm sorry I always use that as my context, but it, playing tournament matches, that was something that everybody kind of have got accustomed to that, yes, if you treason as inch something or you're within one inches, um, even mind control from Gene Steelers mm-hmm. was similar. Um, you can use it to basically move important characters into combat with stuff and you can play all sorts of games and everything. It kind of tells you how strong Treason of Zinch is um, in the game. But yeah, it, that was something I think a lot of people had kind of just gotten used to, but it was good that Games Workshop, probably for your casual and your your weekend games, that they came out and just said, hey guys, just so you know, this is how it works. Yeah. Um, and then uh, moving on to Death Guard, I don't, I thought this is the way it already worked. Uh, they, they modified the box walkers to uh, specify that if you go above starting strength, you have to pay reinforcement costs for them. But, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting because for a while, I'm, I'm trying to think back. For a while, I think that was something that was debatable about whether you, whether you had to do that or not. Yeah. Um, so, but they clarified that it does. Good that they, yeah, good that they clarified it. Yep, and it makes sense too. It makes sense. You're getting extra stuff in your army. Yep. All right, and now moving on to all those other people. <laughs> uh, so, effectively, these are just sort of important things if you're playing these things as a Thousand Suns player. Harlequins, uh, those perfidious space clowns, uh, can use hero's path in the opponent's movement phase. Which effectively it would allow them to move a Death Jester, Shadow Seer, and uh, Solitaire from one point of the map to any other point of the map more than nine inches away during the opponent's movement phase. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which is, if you tr- effectively it would allow them to save their characters or to reposition after you've positioned. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, is it they, only uh, on the first turn? Uh, no, Hero's Path is at any point. It's just like Dark Matter Crystal. It's just a stratagem instead. Mike, do you think you could explain how good the Solitaire is? Uh, I could if I were inclined to. So the Solitaire is effectively an Eversore Assassin um, in that he's this horrible beat stick of a character who goes where he wants and kills what he wants. Um, he has a three-up invuln save. He gets a ton of attacks uh, with a effectively it's a strength six AP minus two rending death killer weapon thing. Um, he, uh, moves over in in other infantry or other models really. And, uh, once per game he can blitz, which increases attacks total from six plus modifiers to 10 plus modifiers, giving him effectively 12 attacks. And whenever he charges, if I recall, uh, he is a, absolute beat stick however i think a lot of people play him wrong um and that's why you don't see more of him so i was just kind of thinking about that when you were saying hey i could i could teleport the death jester the solitaire i heard that uh-huh. in here, and that's kind of if, if i'm following you right the solitaire is kind of the one guy where if i'm made, if i'm faced with harlequins and they've got a solitaire i need to kill that dude yeah so like, effectively what target number one yeah what this will allow you to do is let's say your opponent goes so okay i remove my heroes my from the table they reposition their guys and then okay your screen is open here so at the end of your turn i pop my solitaire down out of line of sight in some vulnerable area then during the harlequin's turn You've already moved. You can't run away. He moves his 12 inches and now is an assault with whatever he wants to be an assault with. (laughs) 
Uh, it's also very good if the Hall of Harkham player is going second because Hero's Path can happen turn one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Labyrinth of Laughs. Although, sorry, the Labyrinth Laughs. Um, it's, it's a stratagem that I'm sure nobody has ever heard of. Is actually a Webway Gate stratagem. Uh, they specify that it can be used to turn one. Effectively, what it does is if the Webway Gate gets destroyed, you can spend one point and a unit inside the Webway can come out within, even within an inch of whatever killed the Webway. That's, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice to be able to just rescue a unit that way. Yeah. Uh, the Necrons got a similar thing, and they're up next. Uh, so they got a similar thing with the inv- emergency invasion beamer uh, beam. Effectively, if you destroy one of their flying transports, they can spend a, strat- a point to disembark one of the units in the transport, as gotcha. opposed to it being stuck in reserves. Uh, they That's also- what happened. Wait. So hold on a second. So they have something like a barge, or one of the barges, or not the barge, but the, yeah. Uh- so they had the the croissants, the flyers. Um, if you put a unit embarked in them, they're actually considered to be in reserve. So they don't act like a rhino? No, it is not anything like a rhino. So if you blow up a bunch of them in a single turn, they can only emergency invasion beam one unit out. Uh, Everyone else walks on normally from the college. But but let's say I surround the unit. Does it act like a transport in a way where if I surround it, I can still kill the unit inside? Yes, because they disembark as normal. Okay, okay, got it. Yep. Um, and then the other thing they did, uh, they there's a, a stratagem called quantum deflection, which allows you to modify the quantum shielding on a unit. So like all of their their barges and their walkers have this. Effectively, anytime they take damage, they roll a dice, and if the dice is lower than the damage dealt, the damage doesn't happen. Uh, this allows them to modify it so that uh, it allows them to, anytime they match the damage, not roll lower than the damage, they negate it. So it can even ignore damage one weapons. This is, why, this is why you use sweeping attacks when you have, when you have them on the Necron vehicles. Yep. And you don't use your big attacks against them. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on. Tau uh, got, well, one, a, like a, a finger wag of why are you doing this? Uh, certain Tau players were evidently trying to use the old Stim Injector war gear from the Index, even though the Stim Injector is now just a rule that certain Tau units have. Uh, evidently, Games Workshop thought that that was enough of that foolishness and told them to stop it. Uh, but the other they got the buff they got though was that uh, the Kalyan Master of War ability now selectively allows units within six inches of the commander to double tap, but they can't move at all, as opposed to everyone within six. So the problem still with Tau tends to be the fact that they can just Overwatch on fives, and everybody gets to Overwatch against them for the greater good. Uh, yeah, that the, hasn't changed too much, right? Well, so that's only Talcept, and they actually um, FAQ Talcept as well to clarify how it works a little bit better. But one thing that everyone forgets about Talcept is that in order to Overwatch on fives, you have to be within six inches of another Talcept unit to do that. Um, which is why you see Tal players castle up with all their Tal units, is because in order to use their abilities, they have to be really close to each other. Um, but yeah, Tal Overwatching on fives is just awful. I hate it. Ruins, ruins my day every time. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, custodies, uh, effect, I guess they decided that certain Custodes players are being mean and were trying to use swooping dive while locked in combat. 
they were told to stop. Uh, they can no longer try to do that. Cause that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty much all there is to them. Uh, knights are the big change here. Uh, I think this will actually shake up the meta a little bit. Even uh, rotate ion shields has been capped at a four plus. So four plus. Uh, that's a, fan, a big change uh, because we were seeing lots yep. of three plus invuln saves on knights and castellans. Um, Death grip has also been um, nerfed honestly, so that a six always escapes. And worth worth noting, onslaught has as well. Works the yes. same. Way. Well, they're they're at the bottom of the list because I hate gene stealer cults. Also, they were my last tab. I didn't mean to derail you here. Way, way to just jump in and ruin my flow. So the death grip change uh, is actually uh, huge because it at least allows you a chance to escape as opposed to, okay, we'll remove that model now. And the other thing I'm happy about, the Castellan has gone up by 100 points. So Well, I'll tell you what I'm not happy about is that Chaos is the renegade Dominus went up with the same, went up 110 points and they made it the same, the same there. And it's kind of yeah. like, why are they bothering to nerf the chaos one when nobody's using it? Cause it's so friggin' expensive and I, you can't get know. the same stratagems to make them work. It just feels like guys, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I don't get it, but that's what they did. And so that's what we got now. Uh, I think the cha- the changes to the uh, Imperial Castellan is a good change. Um, that unit was entirely too good for its own good. I'm disappointed, though. Yeah, I think they could have done something. Been a little lighter on the uh, Chaos Castellan. Um, well, you had the you had the active full stratagem that mm-hmm. they have. It's still it's still there. Like, why doesn't that one scale like uh, rotate iron shields? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think they're taking baby steps on nights. They've gotten nerfs in the last two FAQs. And so as things effectively change, they'll consider making additional changes. All right. Uh, orcs. Uh, they clarified a rules uh, interaction between two different stratagems called showing off and custom ammo. This does not allow a evil son's big mech to fire his shock attack gun three times. Uh, effectively, if you'd only ever fire it twice. Um, I was actually was not aware of that one. Um, so, yeah, that's know. what I was. That's what I was laughing at. But if you know that that shock attack gun, it's really damn good. Yeah, uh, mob up has been nerfed a little bit. Effectively, now it only affects units of boys. Uh, so no more mobbing up units of ludas or ludas, tank yeah. bustas or really anyone but boys. Um, however, those boys do retain whatever buffs were applied to the original constituent units. Uh, so if you had some psychic buffs on them or they'd gotten like buff bonuses to armor from a different stratagem, they retain those. So that's nice. And then uh, they also nerfed the warp head stratagem so that it only works once per weird boy per battle. So I would love to tell you what that thing does. However, evidently, I do not have the Orc Codex handy. That's okay. Oh, well, oh, I'm sure Orc players are no to be mad about that. All right, uh, Craft Worlds got nerfed again. They need to stop doing that. Uh, Why? <laughs> well, the, well, 
granted, they really didn't nerf craft rolls themselves. They nerfed their ability to interact with other uh, Eldar armies. Uh, Reveal, Jinx, and Doom only help Assyriani units now, which, to be frank, uh, I don't really care about because I play mono craft rolls when I play craft rolls. But I'm sure there are plenty of Inari and Dark Eldar players who are going to be upset about that. Uh, Hawks got a fun thing, though. They can now drop grenades twice because double the grenades, double the fun if you move and then quicken them. And then uh, the Wraith, the Forge World Wraith units, so the Wraith Seer and the Scathatch Wraith Knight, um, are bo- both gained the Wraith Construct keyword, allowing them to be used in the new Vigilus Defiant Wraith host special detachment and the wraith seer also was increased to toughness eight which uh is a much needed change for that particular unit that sounds um, like it makes sense yep um and uh, dark elder got nerfed which is fun effectively vec they, they clarified that when you vect a stratagem these you does not count as having successfully used that stratagem so for instance if you tied of if you vect tide of traders you can tie of traders later in the game because the first attempt did not actually happen um that's huge that is a huge change uh the other thing is they also uh, clarified how ca- the counter offensive stratagem interacts with the vexator mask um, effectively, you can use counteroffensive to bypass Vexator Mask. Um, which I'm sure it won't come up a ton, but it could be useful um, once or every once in a while. And then uh, the last on my list of things Games Workshop did to armies, they nerfed Gene Stiller Colts. I am happy about. They clarified that they came from below, can only be used once per battle, which makes sense because it's a stratagem done during the movement phase. But uh, also that units cannot arrive turn one. Effectively, if you use the came from below, Gene Stiller blips go from being on the table to being underground, which is a type of reserve. And then they arrive from reserves as per normal, as a opposed to like Dark Matter Crystal or Hero's Path where there's just a redeployment. So basically Gene Steelers can't get to you turn one unless they run across the board? Yes, they have to go the normal way. And uh, then they also did the same thing they did with the, um, what's called, Death Grip Stratagem for Mental Onslaught. Effectively a natural six always stops it which I'm sure night players and um, pretty much anyone who likes using big things uh, is going to be very happy to hear because, uh, yeah. well, before that, you pretty much, if you got hit by mental onslaught, you were done. <laughs> All you have to do is look at Nick Rose's video or the video of Nick Rose's final at Dallas where he, in one round of mental onslaught, just basically one shot at a Castellan off the board. So I think at the end of the day, it's very hard to argue that it's healthy to have a mechanic like that in the game yeah. that you can't it, do anything about. It's really. also very disheartening. Um, the fact, the ability to just lose a model with no ability to save it. Uh, it's just not healthy uh, for fun gameplay. So yeah. uh, that that's pretty much um, the highlights of the FAQ. There were some other rules clarifications, but I didn't feel that any of those were really a big change, sweeping changes like what I've described here. 
Um, so um, all that being said, uh, David, what do you think your sort of takeaways from this FAQ are since we have a bit of time left? <laughs> well, I think, um, I think the big thing with the Castellans is I think you'll still see them. Yeah. I don't know that 100 points is enough to convince night players to put down the night, basically. It's, I think the way you look at it is it's a, it's a single model that has the ability to take over a game. Yeah. That's a hard thing to find. That's a hard thing to find in the, in the entire, in all of the rules and all of the units you can choose out there. there, There's very few that can do that. Yeah, I I completely agree. The, even with the increase in the points cost and the reduction in rotated on shields, the night castling with one, it's very long range on its primary gun and how durable it is, is still going to see gameplay. Um, I hope that with the points increase, we'll at least it'll force people to change up their lists somewhat, mostly in that they are losing 100 points. But I don't think that's going to change anything. Uh, and, and even on a four-up invuln, and and even rotating shields for three points, there's still enough command points out there to do it. So, for example, if I'm running even a chaos version of it, mm-hmm. uh, two turns is really all I really think I need. Yeah. to keep my to, uh, of shooting into my knight to keep it alive. So if I can survive two turns, that thing has probably done its work, which means that's six command points to have it survive with mm-hmm. a four-up involved. So I think that's still something that as much as people on the, uh, on the receiving end of knights are probably rejoicing like, hey, this does help, and it does, I think you still are going to look at an uphill battle against those things just because of the fact that they can respond, and it's 28 wounds on them. I mean, they're they're ridiculously tough. Yeah. Um, otherwise, nothing I really see here uh, is a huge change. Uh, orcs, I, I don't think that the changes to mob up are going to negatively affect them a ton. More effectively, just clarify something that should have been obvious in the first place. No, I've already, we have some local folks that were already kind of ahead of this and that they were not using the mob up with, with Ludus and their lists are very tough. They're very tough to face. So um, despite the fact that the shock attack gun did get a little bit of a nerf, it's not that big of a nerf. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's still going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that the, uh, with the Anari getting a update this weekend, as I recall, and the changes to craft worlds and dark eldar, it might shake up the eldar meta at least a little bit. Because I am tired of seeing some of those lists over and over again. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of things that get affected big time. Obviously, Yunari, Yunari got wrecked. I yeah. don't know that they deserved what they got. I was probably <laughs> one of the biggest proponents out there wearing like a Nerf Yunari T-shirt, saying. We got to tone it down. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think it probably came down harder than we thought it was going to. But it's probably for the better of the game. Um, it probably makes a lot of other stuff start to function. And I do feel bad for the Yanari players um, because I'm sure there's plenty of them that are, they love their army. They love, you know, the fact that they've been playing, they've been enjoying it, they've been used to it. But I think every army at some point goes through something like this where they just get hammered. The, the rules get hammered and they just, you know, your army's going to come back. It's going to have rules. It, it'll have viability in the game, but 
it's not going to be in the heyday like it just had for the last year. So, <laughs> some people's heydays last longer than others. Yeah. Um, the, I, so going back to a point we talked about earlier about the warp head strategy, I uh, finally managed to get the cold of my codex. All right. Uh, right. So here's what it did. So it was one command point, use it before the battle. This is important. The t- weird boy you use this on knows one extra psychic power and can cast one additional power each turn. So because it happens before the battle and it doesn't specify you can only use it once, oh, I God. guess there were people just <laughs> dumping like five command points so the orc knows every power in the list. Yeah, I guess you could do that. <laughs> That's... That's something special right there. I'm actually, yep. uh, I'm glad they fixed that. <laughs> Waramon is who it was. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, in any, in any case, uh, just kind of jumping back to the Eldar side. Um, they, they actually all got hit all the, all the different yeah. variations of it. Um, another thing like the doom and Jim's thing is probably the big thing uh, because, it affects haywire too, if you think about it. Yeah, the, the, I guess the, some from my perspective, it this all the well the craft world's nerf only affects Eldar soup. Yeah, um, so Harlequins, Dark Eldar, Yanari. Yeah. Um, so if you're running mono craft worlds or mono Harlequins, it does the, none, you weren't nerfed. Uh, actually, you got buffs. Mm-hmm. Um, the only Eldar sub faction that got nerfed was Dark Eldar. Because well, Yanari too. Well, Yanari aren't getting nerfed in the FAQ. There, they're just flat out getting the new code, like quotations codex. Yeah, with the, the white dwarf. Yeah, and if if you've seen the the shots of the white dwarf, they're basically getting a huge reduction on what they can take. It's yeah. not just kind of hey, just feel free to bring what you want. It's now well, this is what you can take, and in a lot of ways, that's very similar to what they did with thousand suns and death guard and mm-hmm. those other armies where it's kind of like, Hey, chaos space Marines have all these cool tools. Well, Hey, join the club of watching that army, get all these updates. And you're sitting here like, I don't get a Lord discordant. Uh, you know, I don't get havocs that are awesome. You know, I just so, got to sit here with my psychic powers and twiddle my thumbs. Yeah. I'm actually not upset that an are sort of being reduced. Um, I, because of what they sort of are in fluff, um, them be having sort of the entire offensive might of a craft world and a dark Eldar coven plus a dark Eldar cult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems kind of strange to me. Uh, whereas in like the, the novels, they're usually kind of strapped for resources mm-hmm. because people don't like them. Well, I also don't, I don't ever look at the armies. I don't look at an army's, peak potential as a measure of how good the army is because yeah. not everybody can take the army and get to that peak potential. Mm-hmm. Um, Yanari had a very, very good record in the middle of tournaments. Um, just using this as a, a statistical measuring point where they, they had the highest number of rounds that they could go before they averaged their first loss. And what that means is just randomly thrown in against everybody else, just rated the same way. They won those matchups. And I think that tells me that comparatively to the rest of the, to the rest of the meta 
or the rest of the armies that were out there, they matched up very well on paper mm -hmm. in a just randomly tossed together kind of scenario. Yeah. They had their weaknesses. There were armies that could beat them. And I think in the last six months, we've seen the reason Yunari isn't, you know, they aren't winning tournaments is because most people have adapted to, to their armies to protect or to counter that directly. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're also very much overshadowed by knights. Knights, we don't talk about Yunari because knights are the ones that end up being the ones that were the, the big troublemakers in this whole thing. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting in the, in the next, basically through the summer, what happens because we're not going to get another update until the fall. Um, and I, and there's going to be some supplements probably that come out. Cause I, I would imagine Vigilus of Blaze is not the last one. They, they still yeah. have some additions to add, you know, my fingers are crossed that thousand suns get something. Uh, maybe there's a battle with Yanari or dark Eldar or something like that. Uh, because apparently Aramon wants to get the camera. So yeah. You know, maybe they do something along that line and Thousand Suns get some stuff, Dark Eldar get some stuff, they get these specialist attachments. And that, we have no idea what that could do to the game. Yeah. Um, we could even see Sonesh coming. So, I mean, the as much as we can look at it and say, well, the fall, we're not going to get an update. We're going to get these little supplements that they have the ability to change the game completely just themselves i mean look at chaos the the ablaze stuff you if you if you look at what's happening there's a lot of folks that are looking at that soul forge pack with the lord discordance um and the chitin ravager or whatever which is kind of yeah. like a cheaper version of the lord of skulls and the fact mm -hmm. that i think you can get like a, a 60 inch movement out of the out of the chitin yeah uh, and, the, and then charge which mm -hmm. is just what this was completely bonkers <laughs> it is bonkers uh but there's stuff like that that chaos in my opinion is going to get elevated because the shackles that were her, her, that were holding them in place are getting lifted i will say though tau is probably that other army that i think is poised to make a breakout here and just completely start dominating the meta because they have when you take knights and you take um yanari out of the picture uh, from from prevalence, yeah. Tau are super super strong, and they made it out of this update relatively unscathed. Yeah, uh, they are right. they are super strong against everything. Yeah, in fact, they got a buff um, out of the update, so I think that they are in a good spot. But yeah. So I just think chaos. I mean, you see, I, I they they've talked about Jim Vessel winning a bunch of the tournaments. Um, I think it's a little unfair to say like one guy having one hell of a good streak in playing um, is because of the army he's playing. It's not, you have to be a good player. Even, even non Avati streak. Um, he deserves probably more credit than the army. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I were to go pick up Yanari, it's not like I can just go win tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got to be a really good player. And I think that's kind of the hard thing. You the hard part about looking at stats and looking at what's balanced and what isn't you could have certain armies that people that are very good just play more often than not. And, you know, a lot of times the tournaments are just matchups. Uh, a lot of times it's just who, who you're playing, the army you're playing, all that stuff. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, chaos, despite 
Jim Vessel really kind of raising that flag and, and kind of leading the charge with the, with the army. Um, they the, all around, they have the tools to deal with everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they just, they have some very, very good tools in their, in their toolkit more or less. And Ablaze just adds a bunch of more stuff in there that are just more things that are viable that work, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't chaos need is to be that. things that, that are dominant. Right, I mean, it doesn't need to be like a a, a knight Castellan that just take a one unit that takes over. I think that that's the thing I think people don't like is when you have one thing that's yeah just completely dominating it, or one rule, or one stratagem, or mm-hmm. just one thing, like one strategy that just is not possible to defeat. I think that's where people get a little sour. Yeah, and with chaos we're probably going to start to get a little spoiled here because we've just got so many options that you can make work. I mean, I was looking, mm-hmm. for example, I'm looking at the purge or the, the scourged. And what's awesome about these guys is they can reroll a free hit roll every, every time a unit shoots. Yeah. So I, if you think about it, I can take like three chaos space Marine squads, take a missile launcher in each squad and mm-hmm. they're self-sufficient at that point. Yeah, it, they're really, I mean, there's lots of, really, and that's not even kind of one of the things that a lot of people are looking at going, wow, I need to do that. I mean, you have red Corsairs that we're going to see. Um, <laughs> the chain Reaper cannons haven't even come back in stock yet. So, I yeah. mean, we're, we're yet to see probably, you know, some havocs in drills uh, coming out and just wiping people off the map. Um, yeah there's all sorts of stuff like that. That's in that book that, that is super, super viable. Um, demon can really, I don't think anybody's really found a way to make them work yet, but it's still super early. Yeah. So, so I think, I think that's what's awesome about chaos right now is as much as anybody might look at them and say, Hey, they're going to be at the top of the meta. I think they have a couple formulas that are really strong right now Mm -hmm. that are at the top of the meta, but they have so many other options that are out there. That's just, even if they make some nerfs or whatever to, to, to something that chaos is doing, it's going to be really hard to stop it just with, with how, how much synergy you get between demons and Mm -hmm. chaos space Marines and thousand suns and death guard and et cetera. Yeah. I think that chaos is in general is in a very good position right now. Uh, Healthy, healthy too. Right. When I, when I say good, I I imply healthy as well. Like they're, they're, uh, it's very, you can pretty much make a good list using a ton, a bunch of different options in chaos and all of them will function very well. Right. And sort of you have to decide sort of what flavor of chaos you want to play, whether you'll play infantry spam or you want to bring the, uh, the, uh, words, demon engines, the demon engine, sword porch pack. Yeah. Yes. So, so many cool things you can do with it now. And even just by them, it's like yeah, th- thousand suns are still in a good position. Death Guard are a solid option. I, I think the Imperium, they have like one or two things that are sort of overperform, but I don't think that in terms of just general faction healthiness, they can uh, say they're in the same position that Chaos can claim to be in. Yeah, so a good probably another way of saying that is the Imperium right now has crutches, mm-hmm. and Chaos doesn't necessarily have those crutches right now. Um, unfortunately they don't need it (laughs) they don't need it that's right but you might be able to make the case of like thousand suns being a crutch because i think almost every chaos list has aramon and some demon princes to cast some spells for him but i mean that 
that isn't necessarily the biggest crutch in the world to have. I mean, you still have, you know, spells available to you from the cast side and from, or from the cast demon side, from cast space marine side, and maybe you don't get the smites and stuff like that, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I think well guys, I think we it. yeah, I think we have uh really covered everything so far. Mike, you did a great job going through all the uh all the Thanks, updates sir. that were made and all the codexes and hopefully that helps and uh hopefully next time we'll get a chance to maybe talk a little bit more about the synergy between the Renegades and Thousand Suns and how we can yeah. start to integrate those so Yeah. Well, until next time though, remember Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs>